This is Paul Nobles with the Eat Informed Podcast. I am actually, I should probably be the one sitting in the backseat here, but I'm with Susie Glassman. Susie, as many of you guys know, is the host of Building Blocks. And so we'll talk a little bit about that. But Susie, do you want to say hi to everyone? Hello, everyone. So if you're familiar with Building Blocks and, you know, if this is the first time you're listening to one of our podcasts, you can literally go back and listen to all of them. And it always surprises me when I go back and see how many people listen to podcasts that we did five years ago. Right. Yeah. Um, and I mean, some of them have, you know, like a hundred thousand listens. So it's, it's kind of interesting to see that level of engagement, but we, you know, Susie hosted building blocks with, with other coaches on staff, you know, that sort of ran its gamut. Um, we, we were able to cover lots and lots of topics, but at the end of the day, you know, there's only so many topics to cover. Um, so what we're really going to do here is rather than having kind of an audience, we might have an audience eventually, but rather than have an audience on this one, what we really want to do is, is kind of use this one as the science one. And then the next one really more as, um, the one I do with Meredith is really more kind of entertainment. We might tackle some different ideas, but for the most part, it's a little bit looser, right? So today we're going to eventually talk about reverse dieting, but I just kind of want to touch base with Susie. Um, reverse dieting, you know, when you think about it, is, is, is probably the piece that people pay the least amount of attention to that actually gets the most amount of benefit. Right. And so if you look at, you know, our book, you know, keep it off. If you look at whatever we do with coaching, you know, we'll get into that a little bit later. But we kind of move people in and out of these phases so they can get like the best long term result rather than I need to lose 50 pounds in 50 days. And then all of a sudden you rebound to 75 pounds. Right. And so we're going to walk you through how to not do that. So. Susie, for both you and I, we've uh, we've kind of been on some interesting vacations. Where did uh, where did you end up landing? Because I, I saw some from Cancun and then I saw some other stuff. Yeah, so we did spring break with the kids. We went to Cancun and that was that was really fun. But that was more that was a kid trip. Right. So um, this most recent trip, we went to Nevis. Um, which I had to look up on a map. Um, my husband won it as part of his company's incentive trip. So um, anybody's in sales, you know, they'll have like a president's club, master's club, that kind of thing. Um, so we were at the Four Seasons in Nevis, which you actually have to fly to St. Kitts um, in the Caribbean. And then you take a boat. It's like a 20 minute boat ride or something. So um, wow. <clears throat> yeah, so it was amazing. Like we felt like we were in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> Like you're just surrounded by ocean. The islands only it's like 36 square miles. Um, so it's a small island and you know, everything is is paid for and catered and drinks and you know, whatever you want. So how long were you gone? We actually flew in a couple days early. The the paid for portion of it was Sunday to Friday. Um and then we it's it's interesting, you can't get there in one day. Like we had to fly to Miami and then Miami to think it was like this long process. So we went on third, we left on Thursday, got there on Friday. Um, so we were there Friday to Friday. So, okay. Yeah. yeah so, my weight was up eight pounds, which is like a weight PR for me on vacation. Um, but two days later I was down six pounds. So I'm kind of just hovering um, basically right, right where I was before I left. So. Yeah, for, for people that don't know, you know, we talk about this a lot, but a lot of people vacation or, or go into like a fat loss cycle before vacation, and then they tend to, to like, even in the case of Susie, who, who knows what to do, you're going to gain weight, right? But you potentially would gain more weight if you were eating really restrictive, and then, you know once you kind of start to see things in the mirror and things like that, now you're on vacation and you're kind of worried about whether you're overeating and, and it just ends up being kind of this mess. So typically what we recommend is that people vacation 
or or do a fat loss cycle after vacation. Uh, just trying to think of uh, kind of the interesting thing. You know, we've been doing a lot of stuff. You know, this was actually one of the reasons why we wanted to talk about this discussion because, you know, with the new challenges and a lot of people um, signing up to eat to perform, you know, we're getting a lot of people kind of setting up the summer, right? And, um, you know, we we have a, actually a bundle. Um, we're probably going to extend it past the weekend just so that, you know, you can buy uh, your membership for three months, but also get our free meal planning templates, which, you know, really, if, if you're struggle kind of getting started, this is so, so super helpful. The other thing that um, we actually just added, we have a whole team of people that just does this, um, is the custom meal plans. And the custom meal plans, if you're, if you're just starting out and you're kind of new and you've never worked with a nutrition coach, boy, is it an advantage to be able to get one of those custom plans where you can get your specific likes and dislikes, right? So that's been a, a monstrous hit. Um, but kind of getting back to the discussion that we were having, I, I went to Costa Rica. It was my wife's 50th birthday. Um, it, it was really interesting. I'll probably get more into it with the conversation that I'll have with Meredith next week. But it was there was different different stories. I'll give you one while while uh, and, and maybe towards the end, if if the reverse dieting doesn't go very long, you know, we can talk about your your trip also. But you know, at one point, um, we were in Costa Rica. Uh, one night previous to this night, the power went out. It it was like 105 degrees inside. We opened up the windows hoping for a breeze because we were we were next to the ocean. No breeze, 105 degrees outside. Both my wife and I are, are a pool of sweat. Three days in, it you know, we're we're laying down for bed and there's like this this noise and it sounds like someone's breaking in the house. And there was a person that lives on the property, right? And his name was Francisco and you know, I was like, I don't know why Francisco would have come into the house. And then my, my wife was like, well, aren't you going to go check? And I was like, you just single-handedly set back women's liberation, you know, 50 years by saying that. I was like, but no, I'm not going to go check. Let's just lock the door, you know. <laughs> my guess is whatever they need to take, they'll take. Um, needless to say, she talked me into going to check. And... Um, so I ended up going to check. We, I might actually need you to take over here for just a second because um, sometimes this. Uh, okay, here we go. Yeah, sometimes this. It, it every single day. You know, it's Friday is trash day in my neighborhood. So sometimes that guy. Yep, there you go. You can. I don't know if you can hear it in the background, but he needs to back up. But he's, he figured it out pretty quick. Last time he, that beeping went for. It seemed like 10, 15 minutes. So anyway, um, I go down, check. There's nothing to check there. And eventually, it kind of get got away. We had a theory about what it was. And then we went to our next place, which was northwest Costa Rica. And the very first thing the woman said was exactly what we experienced. What she said was, as she was kind of letting us know, Francisco did not let us know, um, is that the iguanas, which are big, right? They can be four to five feet long. They get stuck in the gutters and they freak out, right? <laughs> and so so it sounds like, you know, the iguana's trying to get in the house, but. Oh, that's funny. Reality. Yeah, it was, it was pretty, I have to say, it was, it was a little scary. We were really super isolated. Um, no matter how isolated you think you were, you were nowhere close to as isolated as we were because you were in a Four Seasons. Right. You know, exactly. We were. were we, what now? Like an Airbnb. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we were at the tip of um, the of a peninsula that where an estuary was there, 
and then we were on the the ocean side and it was so funny watching that estuary because it would rise and fall i mean like it, it just seemed like there was so much water in there and then all of a sudden you know it was nothing it was just all mud you know just based on the tide so oh. anyway um all right so let's get into kind of reverse dieting and, and uh, i'm gonna let you kind of just lay the groundwork for what reverse dieting is um and then we'll kind of go from there yeah so reverse dieting basically what it it sounds like so you know there's dieting um where you are restricting your calories um say just for example you know you've been eating 1200 calories um and you either have sort of stalled hit your limit for whatever reason now it's time to reverse out of that so reverse dieting is simply adding calories back or adding calories in in a controlled way so it's not just like you know a cheat day or or you know it, it, it's strategic um and it's planned so that as you reverse diet um, you know, we expect weight to kind of stay within a range. Now, it's never going to be the same as the lowest that you ever hit on fat loss, um, but it does stay within a range, especially when we do this in a controlled way. And that's basically um, what we do at each perform. And then, you know, you can also think of it, you know, as a dieting break, um, but it's just a period where we are, you know, kind of reversing out of um, having uh, low calories for a bit of time. So, you know, one thing that a lot of people see in better dieting, especially if you're not an eat to perform client, if you are an eat to perform client, just message your coach, right? But, you know, when people type interested, right? So, you know, at least in the last week or so, you know, I've been talking to a lot of people like what their plan looks like. And I would say, you know, probably 50-50 is some people that are starting off um, kind of overeating, you know, Christmas and the holidays just turned into April, right? Um, and so they're trying to address that. But I would say that there's another real large part of people that started dieting, let's say in December, you know, December 26th, they really buckled down, right? And they're still dieting and they've been plateaued for like two months. This is the reason why reverse dieting exists. So let me throw out a few other words that will make sense to you. Maintenance, right? And that's something that a lot of people, I can walk you through that piece a little bit. Um, normalizing calories, right? So what ends up happening with maintenance and normalizing calories, oftentimes people are like, well, I added in six carrots and I'm still plateaued, you know? And it's like, um, no, that's not really the, the basic idea. I do kind of want to touch on what, what Susie said, because while she's right, if you're at your lowest, there is probably some fluctuation. So when we talk about weight gain, right? So I have, I have actually a client who's pretty lean, right? She's a bodybuilder, um, physique competitor. Um, she's actually at her lowest weight. Now she did fluctuate up, right? She kind of did the standard, you know, so she was working with another coach before me and they had her at like 800 calories. I think right now her calories are 2,200. Don't panic if that sounds like really high to you because she's actually at her lowest weight now, right? So she was you know, at a higher weight, eating 800 calories, she's at a lower weight, eating 2,200 calories. So you go, how can that be, right? Well, one, I think people make a assumption that low is always the answer. And the reality is, is your body adjusts to low and your body adjusts to high, right? And so when you look at, you know, her situation, you know, when we talk about metabolism, I've been kind of putting out some things related to cheat meals and metabolism and, and things of this nature into the group and into the community group. And this is one of the reasons why, is that metabolism, a lot of times people think metabolism is static, and the reality is it's dynamic, 
you know, um, and and the biggest factor related to metabolism up to 25% is the amount of food that you eat and the amount of food that you're digesting and the amount of glucose that's being used in your brain. Now, of course, there's the other piece where you have exercise, right? So clearly when you're sleeping five hours a night because you're eating 800 calories, you know, and you're stressed out of your mind and you, you know, put 30 grams of carbohydrates around your workout just to have the will to work out for that day, you know, that's not operating at peak efficiency as a human being, right? And so what I think happens for a lot of people is they get to this point, they don't realize, you know, everyone kind of understands that they need to normalize calories, that they need to have moderation. But, you know, it's, it's sort of interesting because what we do for people is drop dead the same as many other coaching programs that charge $200 a month. There's really no difference other than the fact that I would argue ours is better, right? Because you get a mobile app, right? You can talk to the coach real, you know, like I was just talking to someone who's paying $200 a month. They talk to their coach once a month and they've been at the same macros for four months, right? Like, I don't know what in the world would make you want to pay that for that small amount of attention where a program that really doesn't change all that much, right? And so the body is dynamic. You have to, you know, like, I think people overthink nutrition, right? There's really only two ways to go, right? There's up and down. And the evolution of what we do and how we do it really requires you to have kind of these strategic periods where you're down, Right. And so it's interesting because as I'm saying all of this, I'm thinking about all the people that I've been talking to this last week. Right. And so a lot of these concepts are very new to them. Most of the people that I'm talking to have not had a nutrition coach ever. Right. They, you know, they just, you know, went to Weight Watchers back in the day or My Fitness Pal, plugged in their information, got 1100 been eating 1100 for four months, you know, and they often put, you know, that's why I kind of posted the cheat meal article today, because you'll hear like all these things, well, you just need to add a cheat meal and everything will work out. It's like, no, you know, it really is about calorie average. And, you know, you typically want a dieting cycle between two to three months. We have very defined fat loss cycles for this reason. And then, you know, we can talk a little bit about what it would be like if you have kind of a bigger goal, right? But Susie, you want to kind of unpack that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, so there's a couple things. Um, I was trying to make some notes as you were talking that I wanted to go back to. So, you know, we talk about and I have a lot of clients that have come in or, you know, I'm talking to people who are new to this, who are eating, you know, 12, 1300 calories, that sort of thing. And then are afraid to add calories. And I have to have the, you know, the, the conversation that we can't just go lower, lower, lower. <laughs> right. And so, um, you know, we, 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 we sort of nailed, you know, we've hammered that nail of going lower and so at some point, I think most people come to a realization that, yes, now, you know, it's time for me to go higher because um, there's, there's only like like Paul was saying, you can go lower, you can go higher. <laughs> you know, there's really there's only two ways to do that. And so the the reverse dieting piece of it um, is every bit as, as important as going lower. And I will say um, the other thing I wanted to hit on in, in some of my conversations from this week are people who talk about um I can't control, you know, I'm eating too much sugar or I can't control. Um, yeah, that's coming up I, a lot. Yeah, like my portions, I think my problem is just my portion sizes. And usually when I when I nail down into it, it isn't that um, that they're overeating every single day. <laughs> it's typically that they're under eating Monday to Friday 
um, and then you know they they're unable to control portion sizes, you know, seven days a week, and then so they think. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, that's the problem with the cheat meal mentality, right? Is like all of a sudden you have your cheat meal, right? And what are you cheating on? Well, let's see, you cheat on your husband, you cheat on your taxes, right? There's no positive connotation related to cheating. And so what you're cheating on is your diet, right? And it implies that you need to be dieting all the time. And now neither Susie or I are going to make the case that you shouldn't be eating mostly whole foods most of the time, right? Like, you know, but certainly one of the big advantages is that the piece where you're not dieting or you're kind of starting that reverse dieting. I mean, I do kind of want to come back to that piece a little bit, but you can eat a little bit more flexibly, right? So even on a Monday and Tuesday, you can fit in some things that, that you like. I say this all the time, but in the last, you know, 12 years, I've had chocolate every single day. Right. And so nothing I do is so uber restrictive even when I'm in fat loss to where I can't have that level of flexibility, right? And so um, I do wanna say one thing though, the reverse part is actually the most important part. It's way more important than the dieting part, right? Because you can't out, you know, they, they always say like, you can't outrun a bad diet. I would argue you can't outrun a diet, <laughs> right? Because you know, if you're dieting all the time, your body's just going to adjust to that. And so, you know, a lot of people will throw out these weird things, you know, and they sell their programs as, you know, hormone confusion and, and all this type of stuff. All that BS is basically related to having a plan that evolves, right? You can't just give your body one thing. Like, for instance, you can't just, you know, squat 150 you know, for 18 reps every single time and then expect to squat 500 pounds, right? You're going to have to adjust your plan occasionally just so that you can, um, you know, make some real progress. So, so the, really the reversing part is, is really kind of, kind of the bigger piece. And it was really interesting because Nicole, who's the person that was eating 800 and is now eating 2200 has actually had a lower weight. Um, I mean, she's blown away, right? And she kind of, she kind of hinted that she wanted to be this person, but as we kind of moved a little bit closer, you know, you could definitely hear the fear, right? You could definitely hear, you know, even though we were, we were fluctuating, you know, both kind of up and down, you know, a lot of times you'll see somebody, um, this is, I think this is kind of interesting where, um, you'll have kind of this moment of sickness, right? Where, where you have kind of stomach upsetness or, or, or things of this nature. A lot of the time that is your body's kind of way of dealing with, you know, whatever extra that you have. Right. And so you'll see that as calories go up and as calories go down. But, but like Susie's saying, you know, is you're more likely to fluctuate as calories are going down. So we, I usually have my people focus on the low days, right? And the weigh-in after low day, right? All my private clients check on me the day after their low day for that reason, because I want them really focused on that number. And I would say nine times out of 10, that's their lowest weight. Now, in fat loss, that can get a little tricky, right? And the body kind of reacts differently. Sometimes the body will act favorably more towards your super day or your high day, you know, just because when you're in kind of this period of restriction, you know, what will happen is the extra carbs will kind of blow through some cortisol and you'll get kind of this water whoosh type thing, right? Um, but, and I, and I want, you know, I'm bringing up so many things here um, and I want Susie's opinion on it, but there was another person that, that I was talking to and, and actually Susie, I, I sent her a similar client where the person that she was talking to was actually open, you know, not only to just 
more calories, but she kind of came from a low carb background, right? And it's interesting because, you know, we're sort of agnostic related to carbs versus fats. Like we're really more, you know, into what, you know, the uh, amounts are, right? And that's really the most important piece. But I was talking to this guy and, and you know, he um, did various PT tests through the army, I believe it was. And, you know, I asked him, you know, I said, what about just like putting more carbs around your workouts just to see if that helps a little bit? And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. To me, that's where like low carb becomes religion, right? When you're not reaching your goals, you absolutely know that, you know, and I mean, I was talking to him about his calories. It's at 1,800 to 2,000 calories. I mean, I would say 65% of our women don't eat that low, right? right? Especially in performance, right? When they're in one of these periods where, um, you know, they're not in a, in a dieting cycle. Right. And so, um, if you're not open to having your plan evolved and you're not open to different ideas related to performance increases that could help fat loss, right. You're kind of creating your own problem. Right. I mean, we know the answers. Like I said, this is really, you know, I've really not encountered that many unicorns. You know, most of the people that we see, you know, the biggest muscle problem that they have is the one between their ears, right? Is just kind of getting to that place where they can be comfortable progressing. Because I've seen people that are, you know, women 5'1", 192 pounds, and they just can't get past the fear even though they know they have to, right? Um, So why don't you unpack that a little bit, and then I want what I want to do is kind of walk through kind of the big important piece related to reverse dieting, but how you would also use it if you have a lot of, you know, fat to lose. Yeah, okay, I'm glad you're going to get there because that was one of the things I was going to mention. I mean, not only is reverse dieting just important um, for – what do I want to say for your mental health, you know, and and for your sleep and for, um, you know, to be able to live as a fully productive human being. Um, But it's also helpful when you do have a lot of weight to lose, or, you know, even if you just want to lose 10 pounds, you you can lose the weight, but then you need periods of maintenance, right? And you need, um, and this isn't just Paul and I saying this, this is basically what more and more research is showing is that you, it, you know, it might seem counterproductive to spend a small amount of time dieting and then, you know, a long period not dieting to then have another small, small um, when you think about it, relatively short period of dieting. I'll have clients who get through, you know, first round of fat loss, which which if you're an each performer, that's 28 days um, and then panic because they're like, you know, then after that, we have a two week um, phase where we basically, you know, get you back to maintenance yeah. calories. But panic because, no, I'm not done losing weight or I want to keep dieting. It's only been four weeks. This hasn't been long enough. Um, but the point is, by by then having these, these maintenance periods built in between, um, you can um, prevent um, your body from regaining that weight. Um, and when we look at what happens with most diets, um, you know, whether it's Weight Watchers or keto or whatever you want to do, um, you can lose the weight. Um, it's keeping the weight off <laughs> that becomes the issue. And, and then, then setting up that repeat cycle, right? right. You know, whenever you're talking about anything, you're really talking about calories, right? right. And so, so however you want to squeeze the orange, you know, at the end of the day, you, so you said something that was interesting because you said that the research supports it. Not only does the research support it, you all secretly know. Yeah. Right. You all secretly know that you can't just eat 1100 calories right, right. for the rest of your life because you look in the mirror and you go, I still have progress to make. 
right? And so when you look at, you know, it's not just about willpower, but, you know, when Susie talks about willpower and kind of the, the scientific aspect of, of willpower, one of the best things I ever heard about willpower is like, it's like a glass of water, right? Is that if you have to continuously drink for the willpower, so let's say that we're drinking for the willpower, you know, and, and you have to use that up for a dieting cycle. And then your dog passes away, and so you kind of use some willpower up for that. And then your kid's struggling in school, so you use some willpower up for that. You know, if, you, if you're always in kind of this place of struggle and you're always under eating, you're really just using all of your willpower and never really getting to a place where you can get better, right? You have to look at whenever I'm sort of struggling with anything in life, what I like to do is sit back and evaluate what I already know. And then if I don't know the answer to that problem, right, I reach out to people that do know the answer to that problem, right? And so, you know, I think when we talk about, you know, one, most people that we talk to, those are the easiest people to sell a membership to Eat to Perform, by the way. Right. Like if you've been eating a thousand calories for the last 12 years, but you've had three weekends. I mean, I remember one um, person at my gym who said that Dairy Queen was the reason, you know, she had one cone of Dairy Queen. And that was the reason why she was failing. And and I made the argument to her. I was like, that's actually probably the one moment that you did the right thing. Right. Yeah. Because just constantly starving yourself is not going to be super positive. And then people kind of get into, like you said, sugar addiction, things of this nature. You know, you can disprove sugar addiction really easily. All you have to do is eat 3,000 calories for that day. And what you'll see is that when you're eating 3,000 calories, you don't have sugar addiction. And the reason why you don't have sugar addiction is because the reason why people crave anything is oftentimes calories, right? There's always like, well, you don't get enough protein or you don't get enough fats or you don't get enough iron or, you know, all these excuses that people, you know, you can fix the one thing in that very moment, right? By simply eating enough calories to test your idea, right? But they don't because the, the, the secret part of the religious aspect is, the religious aspect is I have to be low all the time, right? And then the other thought is I have to um, work out so much more to add calories. And that's not the reality, right? Like when you look at the metabolism piece and your metabolism kind of upticking somewhere in the neighborhood of 25% just by the food that you eat, you realize very quickly that, you know, for as an example, if you were eating 2000 calories and now all of a sudden um, you went to 3000 calories, you know, 250 of that is going to be like a speed up related to metabolism. So now you put in another 250 for activity, you put in another, you know, you can really start to bridge the gap. I mean, one of the things that people don't even consider is that when they're under eating, they're often fatigued. So they don't just get up and walk around throughout the day. You know, when you're getting good sleep, right, when you're eating an appropriate amount, you just have more energy throughout the day, right? Yeah, um, I'll say as an example, I noticed when we were on vacation, I was naturally eating more and I was like, up at seven in the morning, like, I'm. let's go take a walk on the beach. Like, I just felt like moving. I even had a hard time just sort of laying at the pool um, because, you know, my body just sort of naturally wanted to move. And that was a direct result of, you know, having had more to eat that week. Well, and you'll start sweating, yeah. right? Like, yeah. you normally wouldn't sweat, and then all of a sudden you start sweating and you realize that it's it's from eating a little bit more flexibly. I mean, the thing that was so interesting about our vacation was we slept 10 hours every single day, 
you know, and you start to realize the daily stress that you have of just walking the dog, you know, of all the things that you go through that you don't realize how much that that takes away from your life, right? And your your life goals. So um, let's walk into a little bit of what it looks like to, to build a, a repeat cycle, okay. because I think that there's a few things that go on. And, and so let's say that you're, you know, 145 pound female, you're 5'5", five five, and your weight goal is 135. So a lot of times, like Susie said, you might really want to kind of get to about 132. So you have kind of that that little gap between 132 and 135 so you can fluctuate a little bit and still have that mental energy now what i will do with my private clients in that instance sometimes is we will walk through a mini cut if you know things sort of get away from them a little bit just so we can always have that that gap right but let's be real about what that gap is. That's just a made up number in your head. The yeah. difference between 133 on one scale and 135 on another scale, you know, is really small, you know? And yeah, I, I think that people are just- dealing with like somebody who's like, I just want to be one under 140. So then they hit 141 and then they panic. But the difference between 139 and 141 is literally nothing. But yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, it could be time of month. It could be inflammation from squats. You know, there's just all these different things that kind of go on for, for there. Um, but, but so, so kind of keep that in mind. And then I also, you know, just want people to realize that like, if your goal is super lean, that might be a you thing and might not be a physiology thing. Right. So let me give you an example. Let's say that you go to the gym and you do bodybuilding workouts, right? And you spend an hour and a half getting that pump on and that vascular look and all these different things. And you're kind of eating an appropriate amount for what you do. Guess what you're going to do? You're going to put on muscle, right? So let's say that you did that for six months and you were kind of, you know, you had dieted down, you know, to like I was talking about having like 132, 133, and you're finding that 132, 133, you're kind of having to do these mini cuts all the time, probably because you put on muscle, right? You can easily put on three to five pounds of muscle over the course of, you know, six to nine months, right? Now, maybe, maybe describing it as easily isn't necessarily the 100% truth, right? Because for a really trained person who's been kind of working out for a long time and things of this nature. But there are definitely times where if you're new to training or if you're coming back to training where muscle growth will accelerate. You know, one of the things I always hear with CrossFit as an example is, man, I was in CrossFit, started looking different, everything changed, my life was better, I could eat more flexibly, but I just couldn't lose any weight. I refer to that as the CrossFit tent. Right. Because almost anyone who is undertrained and starts to train with some level of intensity, you're going to put on muscle. Right. And I certainly did that like right out the gate. Like if you look at my, you know, super cardio piece where, you know, I'm kind of like I wish it, I wish there was another way to describe this, but but with skinny fat. Right. And then all of a sudden, once I started lifting weights, you know, with real intensity through CrossFit, I put on 15 pounds of muscle like it was nothing and lost weight, right? So it was kind of interesting. I was talking to one of my private clients today who does mostly bodybuilding type workouts. And, you know, she was just asking about different things. And I kind of mentioned, well, you know, CrossFit sort of known for keeping you small. She was like, what? You know, and I don't think that women view it that way. But when you look at a bodybuilder, as an example, there's not a lot of people that cross over from CrossFit to bodybuilding, right? And the reason why that is true is because 
you're not going to really grow all that much. You'll see some natural bodybuilders that CrossFit, but in general, if you're trying to get as big as and muscular as possible, CrossFit's probably not going to be the best way to exercise, right? So then there's the other part where, you know, people are like, but I love trail running, right? I'm just going to say this to you, and, and hopefully, you know, this resonates with people. 90% of where you want to go, you can get there doing virtually anything you want to do. But if you want to see your spleen, that other 10% is important, right? And so you may have to change the workouts from the things that you really love, right, to some things that you maybe not like that much for an aesthetic goal. And then all of a sudden, you start to realize maybe that's worth it, maybe that's not. I know for myself, it's not really worth it. I'd rather do the things that I like, stay healthy with the 90% rule, than spend that other 10%. There's certainly been times where, you know, that 10% is the goal, and there may be times in the near future where that 10%, it, you know, will become a bigger focus for me in the, in the future. But for now, you know, I think, you know, I just love what I do. And I love having the flexibility of, of the way that I eat. So that that helps me. So I promised that we would talk about kind of this repeat cycle way of doing it. I wanted to kind of first get through that thought process for really lean people, because I would say that that's probably 20, 25% of the people that we talk to every single day, or that all those one people that they just need one fat loss cycle, and they can kind of get in the range of where they want to go, right? But let's say that and these are the things that I talk people through, you know, when, you know, we're, they type interested, right? And so when you type interested, these are the things that I'm going to be talking to you about, you know, breaking, breaking it down for you specifically. Because ultimately what I'm going to try and give you is a plan, and then that plan can be executed with our coaching, right? So kind of know that when you're thinking about it, because you're going to be like, wow, this is really cool that this person is giving me something very specific to me. Right. And Susie's actually on there a lot of times with me. Yeah. Um, so what I will have somebody say every now and again is, you know, I'm a female, I'm five, seven, I weigh 210 pounds. And I'll say to them, what is their long-term goal? And they say 50 pounds. I said, well, okay, let's walk through what that looks like. This is where reverse dieting is so important because what people want to do is they want to lose 50 pounds as fast as possible, right? And the one thing cool, I actually saw an app this week where it actually broke down a dieting cycle to almost exactly the way that we do it. And I thought to myself, thank goodness, right? That, that, you know, we're not the only ones out there that are kind of doing things this way. Yeah. And so, um, but basically, if you were, let's say, overeating, right? And, you know, maybe for you, that number might be, end up being 2,300 calories. And you walk through kind of your first fat loss cycle, you know, like Susie was saying, that's going to be 60 days. The first day is 28. The, the first phase is 28. Second phase, 21 days. So why do we do it that way? Well, one, we want you to get the most success, right, in a very acute period so we can then build willpower for either a performance cycle for already lean people or another fat loss cycle for people that need to continue down that path, right? So let's say 210 pound lady, right? And she, um, in a first cycle, let, let's just say she was, she was really amazing at it, lost 20 pounds, and she's now at 190 pounds. Once again, you know, 
what's the difference between 187 and 190, right? So I would say for that person, they would probably want to build in the ceiling at about 195, right? So that they can sort of set themselves up for um, what the next round looks like. This is really important. And I will say five years ago as a coach, I probably wasn't as good as I am right now. What I try to do is I don't let people lose their focus the way that I used to, right? Because right. part of being a coach, I'll give you an example, right? I talked about it a little bit. Dog dies, kids not doing well in school, you know, all these different things. Five years ago, I might have given you a pass, right? I might have let you go on. And there might be a strong case for you having a pass. But this time, this poll now makes a strong argument for sticking to the, even through the hard times, right? Because when I lost my 100 pounds, that was over the course of two years, and there was some hard times, right? I mean, in fact, you know, if you don't know my story, I literally pulled my ankle off of my leg, you know, and I was in a chair for six months and still stayed focused, right? So I, I think it comes down to what you expect from your coach, right? But I think most of our coaches are probably going to kind of guide you into still sticking to the plan, right? Because, you know, the reality is if, if, if you're 210 and you want to lose 50, here's the problem, is that you can have that five pound buffer, but if you don't go down again, you're gonna kind of set your set point there and then all of a sudden summer comes, right? And then Dairy Queen's got a new flavor every single week. You know what I mean? And you don't want to tell your kids no. And the reality is you don't want to say no anyway, right? And now all of a sudden your weight starts to creep back up. And then you go, well, now I've got to just do some really restrictive thing, you know? So you overreact to the bad plan that you kind of allowed yourself to get into. That's the argument for staying focused. The argument is eight weeks later, six weeks later in some instances, right? You want to hit fat loss again. And oh, by the way, you're not going to lose 20 pounds the next time, right? The next time is probably going to be somewhere in around 15 pounds. And then after eight weeks, it's going to be 12 pounds, right? And that's how you're going to gradually hit your goal. And you go, well, I don't want to do it that way. I want to do it all at once. Well, you're going to rebound, right? And you know this. You've done it before, right? We say this all the time. Most people that are obese tend to diet their way to obesity. And let me explain why. Because they never normalize calories. So now all of a sudden, your normal is 1,100, right? So that one day where you eat ribs on the weekend and you go to rib fest and you have 1800 calories and your weight's up six pounds and then you say fuck it for three months right you just overreacted to holding on to water but you put yourself in that position because you never normalized calories right the way that we're doing it is of course a little bit slower because it allows you to hold on to muscle and it ends up being more sustainable over time so when you look at how to create like the repeating process, that's how you do it, right? And does that mean that you'll never, even once you hit your end goal, you have to always keep in mind that there might be some moments where you have to run a mini cut. You might even actually have to run a fat loss cycle. I know Susie, she's, you know, talks about this all the time. Every year, I think it's like around September or so, she runs a fat loss cycle just to kind of even things out and make sure that things don't get out of hand, right? Because part of your physiology is that your body actually wants to kind of hold on to energy 
or in times of deprivation, right? And so if you're going to deal with that, you know, that shows up as accumulated fat or accumulated weight. Not all of it's fat, though. A lot of it can actually end up being muscle also, um, especially if you're training. Um, so I covered a lot of things. Was there anything that you can think of that I I, I might have missed um, or something that you wanted to add? Yeah, I mean, because this is, has come up with a couple of clients this week. So, so yeah, so say, you know, you, you diet down and you lose 15 pounds from, I, you know, you lose a certain amount of weight and now it's time to bring calories up. It's maintenance time. Um, you can, and you hit on this, you, I mean, you can still lose weight um, at higher calories. And I've had a couple of people ask me about that this week, say, I don't really want to cut. Um, or maybe I'm, you know, maybe I cut four weeks ago. Um, but how do I, um, I want to work the scale down. Um, so first of all, I'll say that, that it's going to be slower. Um, you know, if you're not going to go into a, a, a deficit, right. Or, or a, a big deficit. Um, but you are going to have to increase your activity, um, in some level. So I get, you know, somebody who, um, wants to continue to lose weight and is getting, you know, 6,000, 7,000, 8,000 steps. It's sort of easy. Um, all right, let's, let's add some more walking. Let's get more active during the day. Let's do, you know, some, start doing some, some mini exercises you can do at your desk, things like that. Um, but you have to work up the deficit, um, through activity. And, you know, there's, there's basically, I say there's three ways you can lose weight. You can cut your calories, you can increase your activity, or you can do a combination of both. And if you don't want to cut your calories, then I, then, you know, then the focus, what Paul is saying is, um, you have to stay focused, right? You have to stay focused. Um, you have to stay active. And then, you know, if you're someone who already is getting a lot of steps and there's not a lot of room to move there, then we need to look at your training. Um, and maybe we've got to look at your training, but it is not impossible <laughs> to lose weight at higher calories. So let me talk about that a little bit, because we actually have, well, we have a ton of client profiles like this. Right. Um, but one of the most recent was Karina Frost. And it's interesting because, you know, I'm following her on Facebook, you know, we're Facebook friends. And she's in Africa and she's, you know, still working out and things like that. But she was really super honest about, you know, when she came to us, because I think she's down right close to 100 pounds. I think she's she might be at like 95 or so. Um, and, you know, she was kind of eating whatever she wanted, you know, at any moment. So once we intervened that first level the first weight always comes off the easiest right because you know you got holes that you can drive a truck through and so now all of a sudden you know if you did it yourself you're probably going to be overly restrictive like one of the things that's really super cool and we see this often there was there was there was one of the clients that you know i've been following and you know, one of the reasons why I was following her is because she she thought it was too much food, right? And um, and she came from a low carb background, and she was open to putting some more carbs around her workouts and things of this nature. And she probably lost, I'd say, seven pounds in the first tier, right? And that was coming from a really low way of eating. So then you go, well, what bridges the gap? What Susie said, right? You start adding in energy, you have more energy, right? So so let's just walk through it a little bit and then we'll kind of shut down the podcast because I think this, you know, we kind of covered this to death. But if you're eating whatever you want, whenever you want, kind of easier to lose weight, right? And and in that instance, you know, we will see a lot more weight loss, right? Sometimes you can see 20 to 25 pounds in a 60-day period when someone comes to us really super undisciplined and we can really plug up a lot of holes real fast, right? So that next part, they can still lose weight, right? And I would argue kind of for what Susie's saying, but also make the case that it might not need as much exercise as you might think. Right. Because, you know, think about it. If you're 285 pounds, as an example, and now all of a sudden you lose 25 pounds, 
and what are you going to feel, right? You're going to feel lighter on your feet. You're going to be more likely to walk. You know, all these things are going to really be changing. And oh, by the way, you're highly motivated, right? So while you probably will not lose an additional 25 pounds, you could easily lose 10, right? And you're losing 10 while food's coming back, right? Now that trick, that really only kind of works in that instance, you know? Now, can a 115-pound woman, you know, work their face off and exercise allows them to lose three to four pounds? Sure. You just have to, you know, people, I was talking to someone recently about, you know, why I was thinking about fat loss. And they're like, well, why wouldn't you just like up your workouts, you know, to where, you know, you work out twice a day as I, because that's only going to get me five to six pounds, right? right? Yeah. If I want 10 to 15 pounds, I'm going to do a fat loss cycle. And in the end, that is going to be a lot easier and a lot quicker. And then I can get back to, I mean, people don't realize, I, I think to a certain extent, people overthink, you know, weight, you know, in terms of, you know, body weight movements and things of this nature. You know, um, when I was 160 pounds, I was probably able to do the same amount of pull-ups that I can still do at 190, right? So I think a lot of times people impose their thought processes on things that aren't as acute as they might think. So kind of keep that in mind. But at the end of the day, you know, when you weigh less, you get up more throughout the day, you're more active, you're going to get more steps more easily, your feet gonna hurt less, you're not gonna have plantar fasciitis. There's all these things that end up being kind of positive related to kind of weighing less over time. But, But for the person that's 285 pounds, because we've all done it, right? You know, I mean, I, I talk a lot about, you know, the period before eat to perform where, you know, I lost 75 pounds and, and gained back more than that, right? And was not putting on muscle, was not working out, right? I, you know, was just really super restrictive, did everything I could, burned the candle at both ends, didn't sleep, you know. Now, all of a sudden, actual 100 pound loss where you get down a single digit body fat and things of this nature it was a little bit longer but i would argue for most people you know it's actually shorter you know like i think to myself with mine like if i did the math you know and i was in a similar boat to where i was where i was 260 and wanted to kind of get you know kind of in that 160 range you know it took me 200 because I was still figuring things out. I think I could probably do it in about one year, three months, you know, maybe one year, six months, right? But would I want to do it that way? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it seems to me like if I was 260 pounds and I got to 180, felt good about myself, was building muscle, maybe I'd want to hang there for a little bit, right? So... I think a lot of it is mental. You know, I think a lot of it is just relying on your coach to kind of help you through those tough periods and things of that nature. Um, But just remember, as we're kind of shutting things down, and I'll let, let Susie have the last word, it's not the dieting that's the most important part, right? It's the calories that you have put in the bank so that you can make a withdrawal. To kind of keep that in mind. So Susie, last word. Yeah, no, that's my favorite analogy. I've been using it a lot all week. Um, when you talk about the bank account, your bank account is empty um, and there's no more room to to make withdrawals. I mean, you, you're, you've done the low calorie thing. You have to put money in the bank. Um, and so sometimes putting money in the bank is, is you know, we're going to build up your calories to cut again. 
or we're going to build up your calories so you can train and feel awesome in the gym and you can get, you know, whatever activities you want to do. And maybe we don't need to cut again. Um, some of what Paul is saying is maybe mentally you're better off. Maybe you're 10 pounds higher than what you think is your goal weight. Um, but you feel awesome. <laughs> but um, having having that money in the bank um, is always always going to be helpful. And even like Paul said, someone like me who might just do one fat loss cycle a year, I've still got to have money in the bank for when I want to do that, right? And so um, that's just what this whole podcast really is is about is is getting yourself to a point where you have where you have money in the bank. So. Yeah. So if you if you Want more on that topic, you can go to the eForm website in the search bar, just type in Metabolic Bank. And that's actually one of my favorite articles. I shared it on the main page also, so you can check that. I don't know when you're gonna listen to this, so. <laughs> All right, well, everybody have a great weekend. Um, nice to be back in the podcast groove. I know it's been a few weeks. We've been able to get you guys like some really cool ones from the past, but, um, we're going to be a little bit more consistent because the whole staff isn't on vacation. <laughs> so right. appreciate everybody listening and uh, talk to you later. Have a great okay. weekend.